Hey guys, and welcome back to Open Range on the River. By this point in the series, you're probably starting to see a pattern. Almost everyone involved in the conflict over cows in the San Pedro River thinks that the BLM is doing a bad job at managing its first riparian national conservation area, or the Sprinca. So what exactly is going on with the BLM's management of the Sprinca? dive in, I want to give you all a quick outline of the topics I'll be covering in this episode. First, I'm going to look at what the BLM is or isn't doing to manage the Sprinka and the four grazing allotments in it. Second, I'm going to take a deeper look at the claim that the BLM is just rubber stamping these grazing leases while providing assurances to the ranchers that grazing isn't going to go anywhere. And finally, I'm going to dig into the potential reasons for why the BLM hasn't been rounding up trespass cows in the Sprinka. So let's dive in. I've already played you all a lot of interviews where my sources have criticized the BLM's management of the Sprinka. And last time, we talked about how more active management by the BLM could be a solution for the persistent problem of trespass cows on the river. But let's dig into this some more. Late last year, the BLM released its proposed decision to renew all four grazing leases in the Sprinka. The new lease proposals came with adaptive management plans. There is pages and pages of documents detailing these adaptive management plans, but essentially the BLM did some land health evaluations for each of these allotments before renewing the leases. Based on these evaluations, they came up with a plan for each allotment that would allow the ranchers to keep a reduced number of cows on the allotment for another 10 years. Under the adaptive management strategy, the BLM says it will monitor each allotment and either reduce or increase the number of cows based on the environmental conditions. The adaptive management strategy also leaves open the possibility that cows could be removed from the allotments altogether if the land deteriorates further. Sounds good, right? Maybe? Cindy Toole, the Southwest Programs Director for Western Watersheds Project, one of the groups suing the BLM, offered some sharp criticism of the BLM's adaptive management plans. She did most of the work to protest the decision to renew the leases on Western Watersheds' behalf. At the core of her complaint is this. She and her colleagues at Western Watersheds Project feel like the BLM is just rubber stamping the renewal of the grazing leases without actually looking at any of the science. They knew what was going to happen. This was determined long ago. So I, I feel like they didn't, they didn't actually go through a decision-making process here. They went through a rubber stamping process here. To the detriment of the Huachuca Water Umble, the Gila Top Minnow, the yellow-billed cuckoo, the people who recreate in the area, and public health. And it seems super unfair. Cindy isn't happy about the BLM's decision to renew the grazing leases, and this is largely due to the fact that she doesn't think they'll manage them. All of the adaptive management plans outlined by the proposed lease renewals require the BLM to monitor the allotments. This is something Cindy claims they've never done before and aren't likely to start doing now. they're going to monitor on a monthly basis and then for like compliance the livestock permittees complying with the, the rules that they're going to be under 
And I definitely don't think they're going to be out there doing the monitoring to check whether the conditions are improving or getting worse. So I don't think that's going to happen. And the other thing is, and I just discovered this um, like two days ago, I was looking at the, it's called the BLM's RAS, it's Range Administration System, where they report like mm-hmm. permits and things like that. So I looked the ones up for the San Pedro, the four allotments. I think they're actually kind of increasing the number of cows from what is going on right now even with the 50% reduction. Cindy also pointed out that the BLM's implementation of adaptive management helps prove the point that cows are damaging the riparian area. She says that they wouldn't need to have a system in place for reducing the number of cows based on the environmental conditions if they didn't know that cows were bad for the riparian ecosystem. So they're saying if conditions improve, if we reduce the number of cows, then we can keep authorizing cows say, if conditions get worse, we'll reduce the number of cows, maybe eventually make it zero, and then we'll keep an eye on it, and once conditions improve, we'll put cows back out there. So isn't that kind of counterintuitive? Like, if they're going to reduce the number of cows and then be like, oh, look, it improved, we can bring the cows back, doesn't that improvement, like, prove the point that the cows are the problem? Yes, that is exactly my point to them repeatedly for the last, well, I don't know, WWP's point for the last 10, 15 years. When I first met Cindy, she told me that she found it suspicious that at least two of the allotments changed hands during the current legal efforts to have grazing abolished in the Sprinka. The Baba Kamari allotment was obtained by Matt and Barbara Ford in 2021, and the Lucky Hills allotment was obtained by Lance and Chelsea Clausen in 2019. Both of those were during all of the ongoing legal disputes and the NEPA process that required the BLM to reevaluate grazing. She thought that this would have been an ideal opportunity for the BLM to just retire those allotments instead of allowing them to change hands. She also wondered if this indicated that the BLM was giving assurances to ranchers that grazing in the Sprinka wasn't going anywhere while they were also being ordered by a court to reevaluate grazing in the Sprinka. What I don't understand is how, like the Lucky Hills permittee, the new guy, why would you buy a permit or however he got it from the old guy, why would you take that in the middle of a NEPA process to determine whether or not you can even graze your cows, unless you had some pretty strong assurances from BLM, like, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna definitely authorize cows moving forward. That had to cost him money. It was, it should not have been a certain economic decision on his part, right? He didn't know if they were gonna authorize cows or not. I followed up on this when I spoke with Lance Clausen. And he told me that before purchasing the Lucky Hills Ranch a few years ago, he spoke with the BLM a lot to make sure that grazing on this allotment wasn't going to be taken away. When you purchased it about two and a half years ago, that would put you right in the middle of the resource management planning process and kind of some of the controversy over these leases that people were trying to get them shut down. Is that something that you guys were worried about? Uh... A little bit, um, you know, obviously when you're spending that kind of money, you want to make sure, you know, you're protecting your investment. Um, so, um, you know, we, I, I talked a lot with uh, BLM prior to, to closing on the ranch um, and got a pretty good comfort level. Um, I've already talked a lot about the claims that the BLM is playing favorites with local ranchers in previous episodes, but this seems to back those claims up. 
When I visited John Ladd's ranch, he told me that Scott Feldhausen, the current BLM director for the Gila District, was the first BLM person he'd worked with who actually supported cows. There were 3,500 mother cows on the river before BLM bought it. So then BLM bought it. That, that was what hurt. There is a road here. <laughs> Somewhere in here. And then with all this, I mean, how directly does the NRCD work with the BLM on issues about ranching and renewing leases and stuff uh, like that? We didn't work at all with them until Scott Feldhausen came. Even before, well, I mean, there's always a lawsuit going on, but mm -hmm. when they passed their new policies for Sprinka, yeah. They got sued immediately for right 2019 yeah so that was where scott said okay we'll go back in and do a better job proving the value of cattle in the river mm -hmm. and the four allotments and he did so historically the blm just hasn't seemed like they've liked cows at all right but feldhausen seems more accepting of cows yeah well he's not you know like, without speaking for him he understands the value of them uh -huh. the economic impact that, yeah, that's the big thing is when the law that formed Sprinka it has to go with the historical value of what it was for right and it was farming and ranching so Feldhausen seems to be pretty popular with the ranchers even though many of them have also expressed a desire for more support from the BLM and Feldhausen has publicly admitted that he is extremely short-staffed at the moment Nothing can be proven for sure, but the claims that the BLM is playing favorites do look pretty credible. Cindy Toole told me that Western Watersheds Project is planning to submit a FOIA request to try and get to the bottom of this. After reporting the story, I've heard enough plausible claims that the BLM is playing favorites that I'd be curious to see what the outcome of that FOIA request is. Feldhausen is also at the heart of another more recent criticism of the BLM. With so many documented trespass cows in the river, the BLM has the option to hire wranglers and round up the cattle in the river. They can even impound the cattle and make the responsible ranchers pay to get them back. It's something they've done in the past. John Ladd pointed this out to me. That Childress, he, he hired some cowboys out of Wilcox. Uh -huh. I think he did it three times. And they'd, they'd get them and then they'd put them back across the line, but they wouldn't fix the fence. And so, so that's they, not going to work. they'd park down at the bright spot. Yeah. And ride their horses. By the time they got to the bright spot, the cows are already back in. This is the way, you know, they're paying them 100 bucks a piece, 100 bucks a day back then. Yeah. And I said, well, you got to fix the fence. <laughs> well, we're not fixing the fence. But instead of rounding up the trespass cattle, Feldhausen has been taking what he calls a good neighbor approach and working with the local ranchers to get the cows out of the river. The latest report sent to the Center for Biological Diversity said that the BLM was working with local ranchers to organize some small roundups in areas where trespass cows had been repeatedly seen. So why isn't the BLM taking matters into its own hands? During a 2021 stakeholder meeting for the Sprinka, Feldhausen was questioned on this. His answer was pretty simple. He's scared. He said that he'd had previous negative interactions with ranchers after impounding their cattle while working in another state and said that he wouldn't put his staff at risk like this again. 
He said this, even though all of the ranchers I spoke with were pretty open about him being their favorite BLM guy in years. Jeff Burgess, a local conservation advocate, attended the meeting. Here he is describing Feldhausen's statement. Well, on these um, online stakeholder discussions, uh, they broke us up into these working groups, and one of them was the grazing working group. And this was for the SBRNCA RMP. And uh, the issue of trespassing cattle in the preserve came up. And uh, he said, well, we try to do, you know, cooperative, you know, we uh, we don't try to we don't impound or take the cattle away, which they have the right to do. We don't we don't find them. We just call them up and ask them to come over and get them. And somebody in the meeting, it wasn't me, although I was I felt similarly said, well, why don't you why don't you do what you're supposed to do? That they're just going to keep doing it unless you start enforcing it. And he said, well, and I'm not sure he was at the Bundy one. I think he I think he was referring directly to the Bundy one, but he said he was at some incident where they tried to round up the a trespassing cattle and, and um, armed people showed up and he says I'm done, I'm not going to put myself or my staff in that kind of jeopardy I'm going to I'm going to continue to use the uh, the more conciliatory method I have a copy of the official meeting minutes from that day it wasn't recorded and only a brief summary of Feldhausen's statements are written down in the minutes but I emailed some of the other people who were in attendance to ask this question was Feldhausen talking about Bundy? They said that Bundy was brought up, and I haven't been able to confirm, but it is rumored that Feldhausen was one of the BLM employees threatened by Cliven Bundy and his militia in 2014 after the BLM impounded his cattle in Bunkerville, Nevada. So what happened with Bundy? The Bundy incident is a complex ordeal, and if you really are interested in the issue, I'd highly recommend checking out the podcast Bundyville. But for now, Cliven Bundy believed that the federal government had no right to own public lands. He stopped paying his grazing fees in the 1990s based on this belief. In 2014, when he was pressed by the BLM to pay his grazing fees, he refused. The BLM impounded his cattle, and he showed up to get them back with an armed militia. It's become a pretty notorious incident in the history of our public lands. When I spoke with Robin Silver, the co-founder of the Center for Biological Diversity, he told me that this could be Bundy all over again, and that the only thing the BLM respected was rancher violence. There's no excuse. Actually, let me say this. The only excuse that's valid that they have used was Feldhausen in public said that he was afraid of rancher violence. That's real. These people are violent people. Not only are they liars, but they're all also violent people. And that's the reality that we're dealing with here. They're no different than the Bundys. So they act nice, and they talk like they're nice people, but they're not. Others aren't as convinced that this is Bundy all over again. There hasn't been any armed standoff, and none of the ranchers I spoke with whose allotments are at stake seem likely to be the next Bundy. They all liked Feldhausen, and none of them presented me with any legal theories about why the BLM isn't the rightful owner of the Sprinka. Cindy Toole thinks that Feldhausen has no reason to be scared. She said that she's worked in areas where there are credible threats of rancher violence, and this is nothing like that. I know that he said it. Okay. It was reported by a lot of folks the day he said it. Everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe he said this. I know that, like, 
all the way up to the very top of Department of Interior, they've heard that too. Um, that, that there is a fear of rancher violence by Scott, or Scott is afraid that this might turn yeah. to rancher violence. However, one permittee has died of old age. One permittee walked away very recently. Another permittee walked away during this process earlier on. Yeah. Three of the four permits have been transferred to other people or a trust within this NEPA process. There's no permittee with, there's one who by all accounts is nice and not a bad person and not scary, who's been there longer than the others. Three of them, one doesn't exist, you know, it's a trust that holds that permit. Yeah. And the other two, they just got there. And if the BLM is afraid of those ranchers, why did they give them these permits? What is the FBI investigation? And um, so I'm working on a project in northern New Mexico where there are very valid, very real threats of violence. Guns have been pulled. It's getting scary up there where ranchers are breaking the law openly and we're having to threaten to sue the agencies to give them, you know, to be like, hey, go do your job. And they're like, we don't want to get shot. And there is an active FBI investigation. So what do the ranchers think about all this? I asked Lad if there were any ranchers in the area who might do something like this. For a man of many words, his answer was pretty short. But if it's spelled out, mm-hmm. I get along with him better than anybody. Yeah. And then Feldhausen, I mean, he said something interesting at a meeting last year or two years ago. I think it might have been 2021, so two years ago now. But he was saying that he had a really bad experience in another state with trying to round up trespass cattle and getting threatened by armed ranchers. Yeah. So he's said that. I mean, he's gone on record and said that. He's like, it hasn't happened here. Haven't had any issues here. But he also has said he's not going to do anything that might set someone off down here do you i mean as far as the ranchers you know down here is that an issue where there's kind of hostile attitudes towards the blm not on the river okay but other areas yeah okay but not down here so is it really bundy all over again probably not at least not in the sprinka But it's clear that this fear of rancher violence, rational or not, is influencing the BLM's decision-making on how to manage trespass cattle in the Sprinka. In the final two episodes, I'll be taking a look at the science the BLM is supposedly ignoring while continuing to allow grazing in the Sprinka, and how the ranchers feel about all of this. So join me next time on Open Range on the River. I'll be getting into the science that's backing the environmental advocates' claims that cows are destroying this riparian area.